when you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to another mini ABA episode. Today, I'm chatting with BCBA Christy Toward, and we are talking about shaping. This might not be a strategy you've heard of before, but it's definitely going to be a strategy that you've probably utilized before. Christy breaks down exactly how to utilize shaping within the classroom or home setting, from breaking down the skills to creating a data sheet and to getting staff on board. The really great thing about this strategy is you're meeting a child where they're at. There's not going to be this big struggle because as Christy points out, the child is going to be receiving a lot of reinforcement throughout this whole process. So let's jump in and let's talk shaping. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. So today we're going to talk about shaping. So to kick us off here, do you want to kind of give a little overview of what shaping is? Sure. So shaping is one of my favorite teaching strategies of ABA because I think it's such a beneficial tool when teaching new skills. And many of us already utilize it already, which is even better. And so shaping is a process that teaches a behavior by gradually reinforcing approximations of that desired behavior. And so I like to think of shaping similar to the process of making something out of clay or Play-Doh because that's more my speed. (laughs) Um, You know, it doesn't immediately turn into what we're making. We have to gradually mold it into different shapes before it eventually becomes, you know, what we intended it to be. Okay. So can you define what you mean by successive approximations? Sure. So by successive approximations, what we mean is breaking down a skill and having approximations that build upon each other. So if I'm thinking about breaking down a skill by duration and I want to teach a child how to play for 10 minutes, 
those successive approximations might be one minute and then teaching them two minutes of playing and then three minutes. So with duration, that's kind of an easy way to think of successive approximations of how they build on each other. Um, With a behavior that doesn't involve duration, we might think of successive approximations of, again, skills that build upon each other. So if I want to teach a child how to brush their own hair, I might first start to teach them to touch the brush and then pick up the brush and then brush their hair once. So successive approximations are basically just steps that build on each other till we eventually get to that target behavior. Awesome. And you're right. I think as everyone's listening, people are like, probably like, oh, I do that already. Definitely. It just has a cool name that no one knew. So let's talk about the role reinforcement plays in this all. So with reinforcement, like we know, a behavior has to be reinforced if we want it to occur again. And so after we make those approximations, we want to reinforce those easier, um, smaller approximations. So once we choose an approximation, I'm then going to provide reinforcement as soon as that approximation occurs. So for example, if I'm teaching a child how to play and I want them to play for 10 minutes, like we discussed, that first approximation I might teach might be just one minute. So after the child plays for one minute, I'm going to provide them that reinforcer. So we really want to make sure that even though it's not the final target behavior, we're really providing that reinforcer when that approximation occurs. So in your example before about brushing your hair, those first few steps of like touching the brush, holding the brush, reinforcement would be given right after that, right? Exactly. So if I'm starting out really easy, because like we know, sometimes skills that we think are really simple and easy can be really complex to other people. And so when we make those approximations, we're going to teach them little by little. So if the first approximation I want to teach is just touching that brush, as soon as that child touches that brush, I'm going to provide that reinforcement. And that's really going to allow them to access that reinforcer so many more times than if I was only providing that reinforcer once they engaged in brushing their entire hair. Absolutely. And we're really, you know, using a strategy like shaping, we're really meeting the child or the individual where they're at, which is honestly just going to be a more pleasant learning experience for everyone involved. Yes, for sure. There are definitely a lot of benefits to shaping. And I think one of that most important ones is that we are able to meet them at their level and allow that learner to be successful. And when a learner's successful, We know they're going to be more motivated to continue doing that behavior because they've been able to access that reinforcer. And those approximations just build on each other, which means there's so many opportunities for reinforcement to be delivered. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Do you think sometimes that can be a shift in mindset for people that, you know, even though let's say Johnny hasn't reached that final target skill, like he's not sitting at morning circle time for 30 minutes, he's only sitting there for three minutes and yet we're giving him iPad or we're giving him break time or we're giving him whatever the reinforcement is. Do you think sometimes that can be a shift in mindset for, you know, teachers or caregivers? Like, why are we giving him a reinforcer now? For sure. I think it's definitely hard when we know the learner is capable, but they're not doing it consistently. Um, I see that um, mindset be really hard to shift when those kinds of things occur. So if I have little Johnny, he's able to sit at circle for 10 minutes when it's a super fun activity, but that happens maybe once a month that he really likes it. And so we develop a shaping program and, you know, in the back of you know, my mind and other people's minds, it's like, well, I know he can sit for 10 minutes. Why are we providing this reinforcer after only three minutes? And it definitely is a shift in mindset. And I think that it's then really important to develop that plan and then really show how we're going to fade out and build it up. I think it's really important to kind of show those approximations that then lead to that target behavior and really show um, teachers and parents and other people that work with little Johnny that, you know, eventually that reinforcer will be faded and he will reach that behavior. We just want to really make sure we're reinforcing everything positive that he's doing and eliminate any of those problem behaviors. Yes. And I love that you brought up, you know, having this be a plan. So when you're either developing a protocol for this or working with a teacher or parent to develop a protocol. Can you kind of walk me through like start to finish? How do you break down these skills? How do you take data? Million dollar question on that. And kind of approach this whole process from start to finish. Yeah. So the first thing we always want to make sure is that we really define and figure out what that target behavior is. So if, you know, we're going and saying that we want Johnny to sit at circle time for, um, for the morning routine, we have to make sure that we also define how long that is, you know, what is sitting, what are those behaviors that we actually want to teach? And that way, the everyone who's teaching is clear and, you know, it's really clear to Johnny as well. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is just to break down that skill, like we said, into steps and approximations whether that be by different behaviors or durations. And what I think is really important in this is to write it all down. Once you write it down, you're basically eventually making your data sheet right there. And that seems to be really, really helpful. And I think it's also helpful as a visual for teachers and parents and everyone to really see how we're going to go from maybe one minute and reinforcing that really short duration to how it does build up. We know that visuals help our kids, but visuals also really help us too. So I really like to write it down instead of just kind of talking about it because I think that's just like a really nice way to make it very clear. And like I said, you're then just immediately making your data sheet. Yeah. yeah, So once I break it down, you know, we have it and we're then able to look to see where that child can start. That's great advice on the writing it down and the visuals is, you know, a tool for us. And that's such a great tool for staff training as well. You know, even if some of these things might seem obvious, like, well, of course, if we're teaching a kid to put his backpack on, yeah, the first day we're going to provide reinforcement for 
taking off his backpack and then we'll do this. And that might seem obvious to you as the educator or the behavior analyst, but it might not be obvious to everyone around. So having that written out step-by-step process, like you said, is not only going to get the head start on your data sheet, but it's going to be able to get everyone on the same page. Exactly. And then for data, what type of data do you suggest once you have kind of this broken down task analysis type component for approaching shaping? So I think it definitely depends on who is maybe taking the data and how familiar they are with it. Um, I like to go just as simple as possible as, you know, did it happen without any problem behaviors or help or did it not? So a plus if there was no help needed and it happened without any problems or a minus if it didn't. And I think making it, yeah, making it really simple is just a really easy way to get people on board to collect that data. And, you know, as we know, if it's not easy to take, it's going to be aversive and, you know, we're going to really engage in a lot of escape, maintain behavior and not take it. And we know it's so, so important. So I think the easier you can make it, the better. And when we do make it easy, we, you know, we want to make sure that the team is clear on what is a plus and what is a minus. But, you know, once that is clear, it's then really easy. So I like to also highlight what step I'm on, on that data sheet to really ensure that everyone on the team is reinforcing the appropriate approximation. Yes. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think this is a a great way to kind of take something that maybe, you know, a really great teacher and a great parent by nature is doing, but really fine tune it a little bit and kind of add in those, like the data component, add in maybe that staff training component to make it something that could be this really robust strategy that you can utilize with so many different types of responses. Definitely. It's can be generalized to pretty much any skill as long as you're able to break it down. And, you know, depending on the learner, sometimes a skill will be broken down into three approximations and sometimes 23. I think that's a really beautiful thing about shaping is that, you know, there's not a set number of approximations that you have to break it down into. You just want to make it individualized to the learner. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Christy. This was super informative and really helpful. So thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.